welcome to ESPN's The Far Post Podcast. What a week. Um, but it's Wednesday. <laughs> Obviously, a bit going on in the world of Australian football at the moment. On top of, you know, what was a fantastic round of dub action. So, plenty to talk about today. Before we crack in, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, the gang is all back together. You have me, Marissa Lordanic, Anna Harrington, Angela Christian Wilkes, and finally, she's returned from the desert, Samantha Lewis. So, like I said, lots to talk about. Let's start with some you love to see it, though, because we want to try and keep some normality in this pod. So, Angela, would you like to start us off with a you love to see it? I sure do want to start us off with a you love to see it. Sorry, I'm off to a great start already. Um, this week, I absolutely love to see Grace Ma score an amazing banger um, to open the account in Canberra's 3-0 win against the Knicks. Um, yeah, it was just a sensational goal. Uh, Brianna Edwards didn't really stand much of a chance of getting a hand to it, just kind of sailed over her fingertips. But yeah, um, it happened after a bit of a scramble from the Knicks' defence. And yeah, Grace Ma saw her opportunity, took it, and yeah, it's fantastic. And she was, I think, standout this game and is having a great season so far in terms of the role that she's playing for this Canberra United midfield, especially in their attack and that creative play and finding through balls. Yeah, it was just a fun game as well, um, especially if you kind of consider it in the narrative of like the revenge plot for Canberra losing to the Knicks last season with Knicks' first win last season being their 3-0 win over Canberra. So, yeah, um, good times. Classic kits, Grace Ma doing Grace Ma things. You love to see it. Amazing Grace. We do love to see it. Harrow, what did you love to see? I love to see Melina Ayers return to goal scoring form in style. I know she scored one last week, but her two against Perth were awesome. Like the first one where she takes that nice touch and um, then finishes really cleanly was lovely. But I really like the second one where the ball comes out and she chests it down and then smashes it home. Like real classy stuff. It shows she's back in form. She's getting confidence and she'll be right up there in the in the golden boot leaders again this season. Um, and that's good news for Melbourne Victory, but I think also for the comp in general because when she's on, she's a really fun player to watch. Melina Ray is finding form. We'd love to see it. I love that um, Elise Kellen Knight put it down to her having a surf on the Costa del Tawa, which you will know what I mean if you were from Victoria. So it made me giggle a lot. Samantha, on her return to the pod, <laughs> what did you love to see? I love to see all of your shining, beautiful faces. Oh, my God. It's been a while, hasn't it? Um, yes. No, love to be back in the cool and normal world of Australian football, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but what I loved to see from the dub this week was Madison Haley, Sydney FC striker, just absolutely bossing it. Her second goal, the finish, the little dinky chip over the top of the goalkeeper into the roof of the net. Uh, that, that just absurd angle as well. I was like, how does physics even do that? It was just amazing. The whole The whole move really was incredible. And she is exactly the kind of striker that, 
Sydney have been needing for a couple of seasons. I feel like she's Remy Simpson on steroids, which is great. She does all the things that Remy Simpson is good at doing, but better. And I think Sydney FC have come across an absolute superstar in in signing her. She's so good. She's so powerful. She's so good on the ball. She's great at creating space for herself. She's great at finishing finishing her chances. Yeah, everything about it. And that that goal in particular just seems to crystallize everything that makes her a really good footballer. So Madison Haley, just being a baller, you'd love to see it. She added an absolute cracker to the banger file, but I have to say the pick of the banger file was obviously my, you love to see it, Alex Chidiak scoring an Olympico. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I did back, baby. in a past life. I'm shocked. <laughs> to receive these blessings constantly, just blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Um, I made sure to immediately uh, find the vision, obviously, of Christine Nairn's Olympico and Kyra Cooney Cross's Olympico to add to the Olympico collection. I know the wing took it. That's what's fun about Olympicos, that these silly, weird things happen and we end up scoring from the impossible ankle. So, ankle? Angle. Um, the the Olympico. <laughs> <laughs> it could work. It could work. Um, but, yes, the, the Olympico into the Parthenon of great Melbourne Victory Olympicos. I'm deadly serious. Um I know Melbourne Victory have bigger things to deal with right now, but I will be starting the petition to rename the club Melbourne Olympico because I just think it should. <laughs> um, so I'm going to hold on to that little piece of joy for as long as I can because the rest of the week in Australian football has been bad. But before we, get into, <laughs> before we get into that, we do need to talk about the football because that's what we've always tried to do here, talk about the football before we get into the inevitable bad stuff. So let's recap the round's results before we get into the rondo. Canberra finally got a win, defeated the Knicks 3-0. Melbourne City put on an absolute clinic against the Gents. They won 5-1. Sydney absolutely tore Brisbane apart 4-0. In a a very hot Western Sydney, it was Adelaide United who came away with the 1-0 win over the Wanderers. And Perth went down to Melbourne victory 3-0. But let's get into some Rondo questions. I wanted to start with something I tweeted um, during both the Melbourne City and the Sydney games. It was very clear, and the final scorelines absolutely reflected this, that these two teams are a class above. Western United had the bye, obviously, this weekend, but they have shown that they are a very good football team, and it's going to be really exciting to see exactly what their ceiling is this season. Again, I preface this with we're only four rounds into a 20-round season, but have we seen a kind of divide start to emerge between the real true contenders and basically the best of the rest? Kind of, I think. Well, actually, no. I think Melbourne City and Sydney FC have straight away put themselves in the contenders bracket and a whole heap of teams have shown that they're going to be nowhere near it. And the jury's probably still out on uh, not necessarily Adelaide. No, they lost Adelaide, Western United, victory. Um, I think they're the three teams probably scrapping for the other two spots in the top four. Um, yeah, City and Sydney look straight out like contenders. And the thing with City that's scary is they still have so many players to get back. They're hoping to find a way to keep Cote Rojas. Um, 
when Hannah Wilkinson does get back from injury. Daria Vidasic said that the other day. Um, they might get Holly McNamara back late in the season. Carly Rossbacken's only a couple of weeks away, and I think they're pretty excited about her. Um, I think they're only going to get better. Uh, they really excite me. We know what Sydney FC can do, and we heard Sam talking about Haley before, who I think has been a huge uh, breath of fresh air, really. Um, what they needed, something unpredictable. Um, they're straight away, like right now, the two front runners. I can't wait to see them play each other. Um, Western have obviously started really well. I think Adelaide is still going to be right up there. I think they got a bit of a humbling um, <laughs> with their loss to Western and they'll be pretty agitated to, to prove a point over the next few weeks. But yeah, I still feel like victory can be in the mix there. I still feel like, yeah, Adelaide, Western United will be interesting to see how they go against City and Sydney. Beyond that, I struggle to see anyone else contending. And when you look at teams really like Wanderers, Wellington, especially, like they're just not close. It's a real the haves and have-nots. Yeah, I was going to sort of go into the angle of like the bottom half of the table, like Western Sydney and Wellington just, yeah. they just <laughs> seem so disjointed. They just do not seem like they know what they're doing. And this round of games, this most recent round, I think was probably the best reflection of that. Wellington just they just fell apart I just don't like really basic errors and it was it was just sort of you know you had to sort of watch through your fingers at some points but yeah like I I don't see them sort of being able to climb out of this I thought Perth would start the season a little bit better considering they've sort of had this group of players together for a while now and they've had a longer preseason together they've got sort of more certainty around fixtures and borders and all that sort of stuff but I don't know, maybe Perth will do a Perth and they'll come back real strong towards the back end of the season and just go on some kind of incredible winning run. Um, but, yeah, no, I think you're right, Harry. I think City and Sydney have already sort of staked their claim for top two probably spots. Um, the other question that I've got is around Canberra because Canberra have they've, – they've impressed me and I really like some of the players that they have added this season. I really like what I've been seeing from Vesna Milivojevic. I think her – chemistry with Michelle Heyman is fantastic considering how little time they've had to build it and her assist for Heyman's goal on the weekend as well. The little back heel. Oh, mwah, beautiful. Um, so yeah, I don't quite know where Canberra sort of fits in all this sort of stuff yet. So I'd be curious to hear Angela's thoughts. Bold of you to assume I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I'm not like Wellington Phoenix have been the biggest disappointment for me so far because I'm just kind of like, where where is it going wrong? I feel like they're really missing Lily Alfeld. Um, so I wonder once she's back in the fold if that will change anything. Kate Taylor as well. So I guess they have had a bit of a clunky start with injuries as well. But it's yeah, not I'm like we were rooting for you. Like you know they they had such a great finish to last season. So it's a shame that it hasn't really um carried over. Um, I don't know, things might change. I'm hoping that they don't get the wooden spoon again, um, especially with like what happened last season with Western Sydney, like just getting by on draws, even though Wellington were like so much more exciting. Anyway, I'm over it. It's fine. Um, I'm, but I'm also not as, I feel like I'm not feeling as harsh, not harsh isn't the right word, feeling as critical about Western Sydney as perhaps you both are at the moment because I feel like they are showing more, in attack than they were last season. It's just the finishing from a couple of key players has been a bit, bit you dodge. know, um, a bit dodge. Bit and I think that's going, yeah, a bit hanger. And that's probably <laughs> going to be the big split between 
again, seeing that kind of drift between the haves and the haves nots, like the ones who can um, finish and the ones who can't because in terms of defence, I feel like it's pretty average across the board. Whereas when you look at a team like a City or a Sydney, that's where they're really going to stand out. Um, and I think also in, t- in terms of defence, I feel like that's might be where Adelaide get let down this season. Uh, that's my just kind of icky feeling around Adelaide I'm sorry Anna I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to like take it to teens in the same way like Canberra I'm feeling yeah Canberra feeling very excited about Canberra and I feel like they really could have a proper stake at finals this season they've just got such a great energy around them and they're playing really exciting football so too long didn't read Canberra yeah definitely in amongst the mix and (laughs) exciting (laughs) yeah um but yeah I don't know it's it's a um it would be nice to have it less clear cut. But again, we might say all this and then chaos will reign. So who knows? Who knows? Manifested. The big big caveat on Melbourne City so far is they haven't really played the top opposition. Um, they've, you know, managed to put big scores on your Newcastle and Wellingtons mostly. Like so and yeah, they've still got to play some really top opposition. So I'm going to be excited to see how they go once they really get tested. But yeah, Angela, I'm, I'm big on Adelaide. I reckon they're really good. Their finishing's just not clicking at the moment. And they start um, connecting a bit more. I, I think they can be super dangerous. So anyway, it's, it's good. It's good to have a bit of openness. But yeah, I think as we said, there's a couple of clear strugglers down the bottom. I think Brisbane Royal probably joined that group too. So yes. Yes is the answer, Marissa. As we discuss, though, how much Mini Gori's return influences Brisbane is going to be one thing that we watch. Next question, and you kind of started answering it with the Phoenix. So, like I said, bottom of the table, two goals for, 12 goals against, worst uh, goal difference in the league, four straight losses. Last year, or last season rather, there was obviously understandable asterisks next to the Phoenix, what they were doing, and everyone kind of got behind, I think, this lovable underdog story. You wanted them to do well. They were giving it a red-hot go, and everything kind of had that uh, rose-coloured tint to it, I suppose, regarding the Phoenix. But now a lot of those caveats are gone. Should the Wellington Phoenix be doing better than they currently are is the question I pose to the three of you. Yes, for one main reason is just, and Natalie Lawrence has talked about this, some of their set-piece defending has just been horrendous. And I know they're going to get Lily Alfell back and Kate Taylor back, but some of it is, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty grim. And against Victory, for example, there are a couple that they conceded and chances they conceded off set-pieces that they really should have been able to defend better. Um, I mean, they've got more experience there this year. Um, they're not just a bunch of kids like they were last year. So you'd expect that can, that could provide a bit more mental sternness and, you know, that, that extra bit of toughness defensively and that resilience. I think the disappointing thing in a couple of the games has been seen has been seeing them sort of fall apart or fall away. Um, and that that's tough. Like they, they, they really tested victory in the sense of they were resilient for much of that game, but victory dominated that game. It wasn't like, to and fro sparring sort of stuff. Like they created very little going the other way. And I think that's probably been the disappointing thing. As much as they copped some heavy losses last year, we saw sparks, we saw flushes, we saw excitement. I know they've had injuries as well. They've been smashed. Like Grace Wisniewski has missed some games as well. Like 
it's been tough, but yeah, I, I feel like I've been disappointed in them. I, I, I didn't necessarily think they'd be like shooting up the table, but I think we all expected better than what we've seen so far. And I know it's only early, day, only early days, but still. It's the experienced players thing that sort of like stuns me a little bit, you know, like they've got some really good players with a really good track record in important areas of the field. And yet it just, it, I mean, maybe it's just the whole this is what happens when you introduce, you know, new players to sort of central areas of a team. You kind of need a little bit more time for them to fit into the puzzle of the rest of the players. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully we we do start to sort of see them emerge from themselves a little bit. And, like, again, the, the most recent game, it was really just individual errors that kind of led to that absolute pummeling. So tidying up some of that stuff and becoming more familiar with each other, I think is probably going to be the thing that sees Wellington hopefully climb out of this, you know, bottom dwelling area that they seem to be occupying. Um, And hopefully, yeah, a couple of the sort of the the key leaders of the team now, the more senior players, the ones who have football ferns caps are able to sort of put them on their backs and, and drag them out of that as well. Yeah. There, it's an interesting one. One, like we keep saying, because we're still so early in the season, we will watch and see how it develops. But there's obviously plenty we could have talked about with this round, but we're going to look ahead because we have a very spicy clash coming up this weekend. Western United and Melbourne City, two undefeated teams, two exciting teams. So how do we see this one playing out? Who's going to, I suppose, be blunted who's going to be stopped because at the moment both teams are looking really really promising so how do we see this one playing out who will continue their undefeated streak Melbourne City um I I like that you just so you're just like this this is it. This no, is gonna... <laughs> I was like, I assume you, I assume you want some reason it's behind gonna be, it. Uh, surely it's going to be a contest, right? Like this is. Oh, it's going to. Oh, it's going to. It is. It's going to be a great game, Sam. I just, I just really am very bullish on City. Um, we're all drinking the Danny Galich Kool Aid. Um, yeah. She's a gun. She's awesome. She's fun to watch. They're finding a way to get Briley Henry on the score sheet, um, which is really good for her. Kote Raz has been an inspired signing, to be honest. Um, and actually, so is Katie Bowen, who's just really commandeered that that defence really well. I know they've not, not really been tested, and Hannah Kane and Jess McDonald are a pretty different different sort of test, but I think this is going to be the sternest opposition that Western United have played. They're playing a team that are really in form, that have got a lot of attacking weapons, um, and I think this might this would be a really exciting game. I, I could easily see Western jagging one as well, but I feel like City are on a bit of a roll. Sam, you've got to give your contention because you're saying this is going to be a thriller. I'm Well, okay, but also in my defence, I've been in Qatar for the last, like, four weeks, so I haven't really been paying a huge amount of attention to, like, the earliest games that have been happening. Um, Western United, from everything that I've seen in, in the games that I have been able to watch, they they look so together. And I think we sort of spoke about this in the our sort of preseason chat as well. Like, it was really clever from their football department to have this sort of core group of players who have, was so familiar with each other at MPL level coming in and forming the sort of foundation of this team. That means that they could get off at the earliest possible start. They could hit the ground running. And we've seen that, you know, we've seen that sort of come true. And that's really exciting because, you know, even though this season is a little bit longer than what it used to be, you still need to use every single game. You Like this is a pretty short 
window of opportunity and any drop of points here or there could potentially affect where you finish up on the ladder. So, yeah, I'm just really excited to see sort of the, the, the clash between these two sides. I think they're both really robust. I think they're both really um, balanced. And, yeah, and that like both have some really sort of big superstar names as well who are able to make or break a single moment. So, yeah, it's going to be a ripping game. I can't, look, I can't wait for it. I think Western United are going to win. That's just my prediction. You sound so I've got no working out. That. <laughs> That'd be so huge if they did. That'd be massive. If you knock over Victory, Adelaide, to come from behind and then City, I think straight away you elevate. We're talking about who are the sort of haves and have-nots, contenders, pretenders. You straight away elevate yourself in, into contenders if you knock over City so early as well. It'd be huge. I think my thinking behind it is that it's a group of gals from the West and they're going to take it to this young city side. I think the youngsters might get knocked around a little bit. I think this game is going to be a little bit violent. Um, And I think Western uh, haven't needed to bring that out just yet, but it will come through in this game. That's Second That's time in the space of the week. Second time in the space of the week that Western United bring a bit of violence. Yep. Other one being that's, that's my prediction. Um, yeah, I'm, all, I'm, I'm here for it. As someone who has played football out West, I'm, for, like, I, I'm, I'm supportive of that energy. Um, but, yeah, I think it will be a really exciting game as well. And two... Uh, getting spoiled this weekend uh, with two games at Amy Park, two dub games at Amy Park. So going to lap that up as well. To be well, clear, the violence was read their statement yesterday, Marissa. Uh, I was going to use it as a perfect segue into this week's boot. I can't sigh loudly enough or deeply enough, to be honest with you. Um who would like to offer up the too long didn't read here is the situation as it stands if for some reason our listeners have been hiding under a rock or very smartly deactivated Twitter? All right. <laughs> so here we go again. It, it just, you know, this is what it is, right? Like this is the this is the screen grab from Grand Theft Auto where it's the character walking down the driveway and he's like, oh, shit, here we go again. This is that again. And I'd like, I, I'm actually so, and I tweeted about this as well, I'm really upset about how this has happened because like being in Qatar and following the Socceroos on that amazing run, and feeling the energy there, feeling the energy back here, and then coming back and within literally less than two weeks, all of that energy has been sucked out of the game because of this decision. So, all right, so for anyone who hasn't been paying a huge amount of attention, uh, the APL, who run the A-League men's and A-League women's, and the E-League, as if we care about that, um, have decided to uh, enter into an agreement with uh, Destination New South Wales, who are the tourism arm, of the New South Wales government. So according to the APL, uh, Destination New South Wales reached out to them uh, at some point over a year ago and offered um, a a multi-million dollar deal for the APL to move all of their grand finals to Sydney and to host them in Sydney 
um, for consecutive seasons. However many seasons that was in the original deal, no one knows, but the APL uh, on Monday announced the deal that it was going to be over the course of three years. It was going to be an eight-figure sum, which hasn't been confirmed in any more detail than that. And literally within, I think, like microseconds, um, the rage swept across soccer Twitter and filtered out across the rest of uh, sort of rusted on football fans around Australia. And not not even just those outside of Sydney, but also those inside of Sydney, including myself. Um, the idea that the APL has uh, decided to sell off one of the things that has made the A-League so special, one of the things that has made it so memorable, and one of the things that makes it unique from pretty much every other competitive code in the country for a couple million bucks is pretty galling. Um, it's, it's really disappointing. And the fact that they did it in the way that they did it as well, I think is part of the, the rage that a lot of people are feeling. Even though Danny Townsend, the APL CEO, came out and said, yeah, there were fan focus groups that we ran. We consulted with fan focus groups and received a lot of the same feedback that we're currently receiving. I mean, clearly they didn't listen to that feedback or if they did listen, they just didn't care um, because they went ahead with the deal anyway. Uh, there seems to have been no consultation uh, with the players, um, especially not around how uh, pieces of video footage that they filmed were going to be used uh, in terms of the promotional material, as Remy Simpson and Craig Goodwin testified to in their public statements. And there seems to have been no consultation with some of the clubs who are going to be affected by this either. Um, so from a just a purely sort of communication standpoint, I, I cannot really see a way in which they have done this well. They've failed in pretty much every department in terms of communicating to all of the different stakeholders, except apparently for Destiny, Destination New South Wales. Um, so the fallout, I mean, Harry, maybe you can, I'll sort of pivot to you. You can talk a little bit more about the fallout, but at the moment, it's just like, you know, we had this incredible opportunity coming off the back of that world cup to really harness this feeling that the mm. soccer created for us and it felt like for the first time in a really long time we were all looking in the same direction and this is the kind of decision that just it just shows that we're not it just guts you doesn't it like that's the if looking at all different people like I, I like to think we all know lots of different subsections of the football community the reaction, whether it be for different reasons, has been the same. Like, it just feels gutting. Like, I've seen so many people who have been members of A-League clubs for years, um, especially following the men's league, right, that are just like, well, what's the point? Like, a lot of people's best memories. And let's, let's get to the real heart of this. Like, a lot of people's best memories as well are things like Melbourne Victory in the men. We'll go, we'll stick, well, the men's are just easy examples here, right? Melbourne Victory hosting the men's uh, grand final in 2014 15. Um, Adelaide United 15 16 at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, I know Perth lost to Sydney FC um, in the grand final. They hosted Optus Stadium, but that was packed. I think it's a packed. This is where you get the energy. And this actually is relevant for the, the dub as well because you can see what a home crowd can do um clubs like canberra for example it's you know you can you can fill up a, with locals if you have a home grand final um that's happened for the melbourne clubs as well anyway it, it's just the at the core of it it's you're saying 
no, you're not going to get the right to host your own grand final. Your fans are going to have to chop out money for flights, for accommodation, um, for food, for everything to get up to Sydney. And you're not necessarily from Melbourne. Like that's, you know, it's not necessarily cheap, especially if you're looking to go as a family. But imagine if you're from Perth or Wellington or like in particular, the 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 struggle to get there financially is huge, um, especially after a couple of, you know, COVID ravaged years where people have had interest rates go up, um, they're dealing with mortgages, they might have had job stresses. There's all these different factors. Um, domestic flight is, flights aren't exactly cheap at the moment either. Just look at how the struggles people are having getting home for Christmas. Um, and then they top uh, then they top it all off by, yeah, saying that it's about, you know, getting a fan experience in and, um, yeah, we're, you know, you can have a festival of football or be up there for a week or whatever. And it, it, I feel like a lot of people felt like it is, not to quote Tony Sage, to just set a, a slap in the face. Like people just, yeah, it, it's frustrating. And you talk about the backlash. I think that the active support groups have been the ones that have really gone hard. Like we talk about soccer Twitter, but I was looking on Facebook, Instagram, and people who are not sort of like soccer Twitter heads, like, you know, terminally online sorts, are looking at this and going, this is, sorry, ESPN, this is fucked. Like... Yeah. This ruins something that's really special. And we saw Lee Broxham actually say uh, as well, the Melbourne Victory veteran, that that grand final in 1415 was one of the best experiences of his career. And it was special because they earned it. And that's what Remy Seems said as well, right? Playing in yeah. grand finals special because you earned the home grand final. But the big thing is we're seeing, we're going to see it at the men's derby, which is a doubleheader this week, actually, the Melbourne City one. We were just talking about the City game before. We're going to have the walkout from fans at the 20th minute of that men's derby, which is the biggest game the league has had since it's returned from the World Cup. This should have been when you're building momentum. You look at the Fed Square live sites, people packing out Amy Park. Like, this is Melbourne soccer. I think that's – it's really hit people in Melbourne quite hard, I think, because we've been talking about all this momentum. And, Sam, you say you could feel it from Qatar. Like, Fed Square would have been packed with people who were probably thinking of heading to their first A-League game this weekend at the derby. We're probably thinking of going along. Like, I know my partner was going to go to a Christmas derby for the first time. And, like, a lot of people are going to be walking out at the 20-minute mark of that men's game. So, yeah, it, the the fan response has been, you know, they feel taken for granted. They feel ignored. This is – we were talking about it pre-recording, Sam. This is the biggest sort of outcry of frustration from us, the, you know, the league or the sports supporter base. I think we've seen since the, the Daily Telegraph released that you know, list of, of the FFA ban list um, yeah. in 2015, I think it was. And we saw the walkouts from active support then. And I think the, the really frustrating thing for a, a lot of people has been that they feel like maybe their concerns haven't been taken seriously, that the initial reaction in, I think it was on SEN with, with Danny Townsend, was effectively they'll come around or they'll see why it's right for them. Mm. And it's like you you can't talk to your you, they, your most important stakeholder like that, let's be honest. Yeah. And at the end of the day is the is the money figure. If I think the frustration is if there is, if the financial situation is the main thing here, why not be upfront with it from the start? Why not mm. say this is a financial opportunity the game needs? This is the amount of money we're going to get and we're going to invest it here, here, here. This is where we need to put money. I know we have the Silver Lake investment, but this is a golden opportunity the game can't leave behind rather than twisting it and trying to sell it as a fan experience because it, it flies in the face of, you know, being fan-centred. It's exactly the opposite. And, yeah, I, I've never seen such an unpopular decision. I've seen people who yeah. do not even follow the A-Leagues chipping in and, and saying, oh, what on earth is this? And if, and if people 
I know a lot of this has been framed in the sense of A-League men. If people think this is an unpopular or difficult decision and the optics will be bad for, say, a Perth v Wellington or Western United v Melbourne City or, you know, Melbourne City v Adelaide Grand Final in the men's in terms of travel, A-League women crowds are a lot smaller. Yeah. And the players um, don't necessarily have the always have the resources to be able to pay for lots of tickets to bring their family and friends and all that up. Like the vision and the optics crowd-wise could be so much worse. Um, yeah, and it's clearly, yeah, it's clearly an unpopular decision. Nobody's liked it. And I think the response and the toing and froing and not knowing who agreed to what and who said, no, we don't actually agree with this decision has been so blurred over the past 48 hours. It feels like people are struggling to know who to believe. Mm. It's just discontent, right? Yeah. And I think going off the the bit about A-League women specifically, it feels incredibly disingenuous for the APL to come out and be like, we're going to try and get like a record number at this grand final this year. Like we want to cash in on what's happening with the World Cup in 2023, but we don't actually want to actively engage in a way that will sustain or support um the a-league women like it just and i think the thing that shits me the most about all of this is just the complete lack of transparency um on all levels um which we saw from the fact that like nothing is going to galvanize people more than throwing craig goodwin under the bus by the way like (laughs) first of all stupidity and then the fact that there's been discussion like don't won't go too far into it but around who had what information when the decision was made who was available to actually be a part of this conversation like it's not my definitely not my preference for this to have been like victoria getting to host all the grand finals it would still be the same issue but the fact that it wasn't a transparent process like no one knew really much about this until it was announced and then yeah it's very much uh, yeah and even with just like the the lack of or the confusion around who is on the board of the APL as well and that has been a thing since the APL formed it's like we there just needs to be clearer avenues of communication and there needs to be greater transparency around why some clubs are on the board and have representatives on the board and why some don't um and that's just like come to fruition here in terms of like for example Wellington Phoenix coming out and saying well we weren't a part of the decision Canberra United I assume is still not a part of the APL board but Mm. there's still not a clear reason as to why that's the case and this affects Canberra United just as much as it affects every other club so just like it's just such shitty from a governance perspective it's so piss poor yeah it's wild it's Um, insane I think other sports are looking at this and going What's going on? And then you've got Anthony DiPietro, <laughs> seemingly a part of the board that approved the decision in the first place, has then clearly got the feedback from Victory people and gone, I can't reconcile this position with my position as Victory chairman and quitting the APL board. Yeah. And then that letter that comes out, the late night statement, where you've got um, all the clubs, sort of 11 of the club chairmen listed on it and DiPietro is obviously the absent name there. It's coming out like, what, 10.30 at night? Yep. And it's basically saying we had this meeting and we affirmed this decision's great. <laughs> and it felt like it just like if the, you know, the bonfire was sort of just simmering away, the bonfire of, you know, just, I don't know, anger, all the fuel on it, just throw it on. <laughs> and it just blew up again. Like, yeah. I just don't see how there's any option but to backflip on this. How do you push through if your fans 
don't want a part of it. Your players hate it. There's clear discontent from the clubs. Are you just going to keep posting through it? Like, is that is that the plan here? Like, is the hope that people are just going to get tired? Like, you just bang your head against the wall for long enough and you go, oh, I'm a bit bored of this. All right, I'll uh, I'll chop out to go to Sydney next year. Like, what, what do they think is going to be the end result here? And then there's the, Angela talked about the transparency thing. There's talk about hopefully we can make this a tradition. And then there's the, oh, actually, maybe it goes really well and then in three years other people will want to bid for it. And you also have the factor where um, I saw um, – nine newspapers report as well that the Victorian government said that Visit Victoria, who obviously are chopping out for the netball, didn't even get a chance to bid. So you're like, mm. what is going on here? Um, above all, I think it's just one of those ones where it just doesn't pass the pub test, sniff test, whatever you want to call it, and yep. everyone is seeing it. And, yeah, it it just seems like a nightmare. I, and I think what Angela said about transparency is what we need now. Like how much is this league depending on this deal going ahead? And what does it mean if it doesn't go ahead? Yeah. Like financially or the stability of the league. If there was greater transparency, I think people could actually have, you know, an, an opinion on it beyond the completely understandable and justified frustration, anger, hurt. I think people feel hurt, mm. taken for granted. Um, let's not forget as well, and this is the thing that comes up with AFL and that sort of thing, you have people paying membership fees and these sorts of things through COVID where they weren't necessarily getting games or they weren't getting games in their home state. Like people invest a lot, time, money, emotion into their clubs. And I think feeling taken for granted like this, it hurts people. And yeah, you know, some people are going to walk away from the game and they might walk away. And even if this decision is backflipped, they might not come back anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's my, like my sort of, my overarching feeling now is just like, I don't remember, aside from maybe 2015, Harry, what you mentioned earlier, I don't remember a decision that has fractured the trust in football between fans and players and the people who make decisions about the game quite like this. I don't remember it ever really feeling like this. And you know, there have been a lot of things that have happened over the last, you know, decade in terms of governing bodies making decisions about football that seemed to have sidelined fans and players. And this sort of just feels like they're just one thing too many. And I think another reason why it feels so bad is because when the APL took control of these leagues, they promised us that it would be different. You know, they promised us that having control of the car or fucking whatever was the metaphor that they used after football Australia had been running the leagues for a while that they were finally going to drive it in the right direction. Or I don't know how much further I can extend the metaphor, but that they were going to like that. They were going to fix it. You know, they came into this, into this ownership telling us that they were going to be transparent about what they wanted to do, that they were going to make some mistakes, but that they were going to listen. They were going to talk to us. And they were going to listen to us. And all of that has gone out the window with this decision. I don't know if they can reverse it. It's a it's a, a contract with a government. I don't know how difficult they are or are not to get out of. But, you know, this is also the kind of moment where it almost doesn't matter what happens now because the trust is broken. And I don't know whether they're going to be able to get that back. Especially with the late night statement, right, Sam? It felt like it went, we heard your concerns. 
we had our own clubs like Western United, I think were the ones that went strongest yesterday. There are a lot of sort of half-hearted statements before that, before the De Pietro sort of backflip thing. And it's like you then seemingly are meeting and meeting and meeting or whatever's going on or there's clearly consultation happening. And at the end of it, you come out with that statement that's like, this is great. Like, yeah. Did they think that was going to end it? Like that people are going to be like, cool, we'll move on. Because people are not moving on. They're only getting angrier. Yeah. And like, even by the time this podcast goes out, I'll be intrigued to see if there is some sort of resolution. And as you say, Sam, whether it, whether there is one or not, I, I, I just don't think you can't wipe this clean. You can't hit reverse on any, rewind on any of this stuff. It's the trust. Once trust is broken, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. No, I was just going to say it feels um, particularly pertinent, I suppose, the themes of broken trust, of death by a thousand cuts, which is what I feel like you guys were alluding to, just with a dub-specific lens. Um, friend of the pod, Kieran, tweeted something, which I it has lived in my mind rent-free since he tweeted it, and it was basically like, we're changing the name because it will be good for you and we're putting the games on at this time because it will be good, but then we're not mm. putting games on TV, which was dependent on the schedule, but it'll be good, it'll be great, it'll be fine. Um, Trust we're us. Change, we're changing the name of the league and that's going to be a good thing. Don't worry about your overly emotional reactions in the start. Everything's going to turn out great. And now it's like we're disregarding fans basically um, but it'll be great. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Um, and I just I needed to talk about the dub briefly because, as we all know, even though a decision is applied to both leagues, that doesn't mean that the ramifications of that decision is felt equally by the two yeah. leagues. Um, and one of the things that I think has been really uh, prevalent amongst reaction from dub fans has been how do we protest this because there is a really big feeling that across the country people want to say no we don't like this but the precarious nature of women's sport and women's football in particular makes you feel a little bit hesitant to do anything too drastic even though you don't agree with what's going on and you want to participate in walkouts and that's kind of the conversations that I've been seeing on Twitter that I've been having on Twitter as well with people about wanting to participate in walkouts and things of that nature but not wanting to jeopardize the dub because yeah. it's always felt like the expendable part of Australian football uh, I saw one person describe it as collateral and it is if we're being brutally honest here mm. regardless of the fact that they will try and hype up this and that Angela mentioned you know wanting to break the attendance record ahead of the Women's World Cup if things really turn to shit, it does feel like one of the most easily expendable parts is the yeah. dub. So um, it's really hard and frustrating to have obviously the overwhelming sense of what are we doing here? What's happening for the entirety of the game? But then being as kind of women's football specific as we are, having that extra layer of could this really hurt the thing we love the most could this really yeah. turn it on its head to a point where it can't come back you know someone suggested what about if they end up making the the dub grand final a double header with one of the men's games in sydney because that ends up being the most financially viable option like not to add nightmare fuel to all of you listeners but can you imagine if that's how things pan out like um it just it's i i just want to stress that it's a bad decision 
in my opinion, for the entirety of football. It does not benefit fans yeah. at all, but there is always that extra layer for the dub that either gets missed by people or well, obviously by the, the leagues on occasion, and it's just a really shitty situation. I wish I had a more eloquent word than shitty, but it's just a really shitty situation to want to support the widespread kind of protests, but also feel like that could jeopardise everything else. Mm. There was no point to that. I just had to say things. Um, yeah. yeah that <laughs> um, was very pointed. <laughs> pointed? Pointed. That's yeah, not good. There was much point. No, it was point, good. Point, it's not good. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I suppose the other thing is I don't know what the solution is because, as you guys said, I can't see them back flipping from a government deal. They, you assume these things aren't announced unless contracts are signed and it would be an yep. absolute process to probably renege on these contracts. So um, I I really feel like we're at an impasse and I don't see what the kind of other side of the tunnel looks like because right now it, it is, it is um, very black, very tunnel vision. But... Um, any final thoughts or should we move on to a couple of how goods to lighten up the mood in here? I don't want to have a single thought ever again, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just lay down in some grass and have the earth consume me. That's what I feel. <laughs> but before oh, that, I was going around at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> just like burying herself. Yeah. I want to go back to the Chidlimpico. Can can I give a very brief how good, just a relevant one? Please. When I, when I saw the initial announcement, uh, which was what, like, oh, it dropped a news corp as well. Let's not forget that. That, mm-hmm. um, that didn't that didn't do too many people a, a world of good either. I think um, people went through with that. But when the A-Leagues then posted about, you know, it's moving to Sydney, how good is this? The top comment, because it just got liked so quickly, was Maya Murkowski from Melbourne Victory, A-League women. Just commented saying, big L. <laughs> <laughs> it was just had so many likes. And I was like, oh, no. let's not forget, this is the gal with the whiteboard picture about crossing out Sydney is sky blue and just doing Victoria with a love heart in um, <laughs> the whiteboard yeah, after that awesome. grand final win. She hates Sydney and we love her for <laughs> Maya Markovsky, welcome to the resistance. <laughs> I think she was actually the first. We, I think we had it in our AAP story. Um, yeah, a lot of people are talking about Goodwin and um, and Seamson, obviously, because uh, I know with the video involvement, but seeing Markovsky, um, it was clearly a, enough as well, like a football lover herself, comes from a big football family. Just keep it simple, straight to the point. No, no justification or explanation needed, just big L. And you're like, <laughs> what more do we need? <laughs> Could have not done this podcast. Literally, we didn't need to have any of this conversation. We could have just shared Maya Markovsky's tweet. But, Angela, I know you had a how good as well, so wrap us up with your how good. Uh, uh, No, it is is a nice how good. Um, So my how good is combining my two great loves, cats and football. Um, A lot of people have probably seen this already, but uh, my how good is uh, Dave. Dave, Dave the cat getting his forever home. 
um, with two of um, the England men's national team players. So they uh, basically, they met him in Qatar, um, Carl Walker and John Stones, and now Dave, well, they fell in love, obviously, and now Dave the Cat is going to be moving to Manchester um, and presumably living with Carl and John. So absolutely love that. As someone who tried to smuggle home a cat from Bali, um, hard relate. <laughs> Love it. Miss you, Leo. I miss you so much. I hope she's doing well. Um, yeah, anyway, that's my how good. Um, yep, Dave the cat. I, I the, hope he the goes The Venn diagram of our interests. Oh, it's so really yes. the Venn diagram of our interests, cats and football. Um, that's it from us for today. Big episode. Um, obviously, we will continue to monitor the situation with the grand finals and continue to speak about them as the situation develops. Um, obviously, we will be on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can already read some of our fellow ESPN colleagues' work on the situation. Friend of the pod, Joey Lynch, has been covering it for us. So go ahead and read all of that. You can always find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe. If you want to have a chat to us, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next week, let's see you.